Welcome to the Dear Rochester Retire Well Podcast with David Pulsini from Six Point Financial Partners. In this podcast, find your path towards a brighter financial future with David as your guide as he helps individuals, educators, and healthcare professionals explore ways they can build wealth while minimizing risk using a multifaceted, comprehensive approach to personal finance. Are you ready to take the first step towards a brighter financial tomorrow? Let's get started. You are savvy when it comes to money, right? Well, hello, maybe not so much. David Pulsini of Six Point Financial is here to share some things that should make you sit up and take notice, or as we say, scare the crap out of you. I'm Patrice Sakora, and welcome back to Dear Rochester, Retire Well. Now, David, you have several specific items on your list for this episode. What are we starting with? I, I love the scare the crap out of you, Patrice. Nice job. So we recently, and where this came from very quickly was put out a video on our social media channels, LinkedIn, Facebook, that mentioned, literally, I said, quote, I've seen people make mistakes that have cost them millions of dollars. Ooh. So after we sent that, I had a lot of people reaching out to us, uh, just asking me what those mistakes were. Like, hey, can you yes, do a I podcast? So. Yeah. So what are those mistakes? So, and, and by the way, I've really seen people that have made mistakes that cost them I'll say millions of dollars, some, some greater than others, obviously. And most of these are not things that immediately cost them millions. It's not like they forgot to do something and they lost $2 million, but over time, these mistakes can add up. And what I mean by that is if like a 35 year old that makes a mistake that costs them $50,000 and right. they could have kept that 50,000 by the time they are 65, that may have ended up being $380,000. So over time, these mis a few of these mistakes can add up and in that example, it would literally cost millions of dollars. So right. I have over 100 of these on a list just for We're not going to go through all of them no, today. No, 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 no. We'll get to eight and I'll try not to ramble too much. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we'll get to eight. But <laughs> today, so we'll just go over maybe eight today that are the most common and I'll say the most scary and they should be scary because these are things that normal people just don't know. So to answer your first question, the first mistake that I've seen is people just rolling over 401ks that contain company stock. And there's a rule called NUA. And I want you to remember, you do not need to remember any of this. You just should know that things like this exist. And NUA stands for net unrealized appreciation. Certain companies will allow company stock inside of a 401k plan. Right. So the net unrealized appreciation technically is the difference between the, are you ready? The average cost basis, and I'll explain this in plain English in a second, mm -hmm. the average cost basis of the shares held and the current market value. Mm -hmm. So this is really important to know if, again, if you're taking money out of the plan or you're transferring it from a 401k to an IRA to make this plain English, if you work at a company that has allowed you to hold company stock in your 401k and that stock has gone up, you want to be careful when you do anything with it. So real life example, if I work at company, we'll say XYZ, and the average of the stock over the years cost me $100,000, and it has now grown to $400,000. If you transfer that directly to an IRA, for example, everything that you take will be taxed at ordinary income. So when you take money out of an IRA, you pay ordinary income tax, right. which that's normal. So let's say that's 20, 24% or 25%. You'll pay 25% taxes over time on all 400,000. Okay, so bear with me for a second. 
If we were smarter about it, we can take advantage of an IRS rule, the NUA rule that allows us to transfer the company's stock and pay long-term gains on it. Mm. Okay. So instead of ordinary, ordinary income, we're going to pay long-term gains on that. Just the 300,000 in growth. That alone would save somebody $30,000. So it gets way more complicated than that. For the listeners, I can see Patrice. She's already bored, but it can be done. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, and, I'm thinking, is it very, is it smart to have company stock in your IRA or your 401k? I'm sorry. Possibly. And, and it depends what company you're at, right? If you're at, true, I'm true. making this up, Tesla over the last year, of course, you want some company stock, but you want yeah, to right. be smart about it. And there's some appreciation, right? So, it, and it gets way more complicated than this. And the truth is, it's a lot of work for the financial advisor. So it is much easier for us just to do a normal rollover from a 401k to an IRA. And many advisors will do that. But to me, I think to save somebody that much in taxes to do it the right way is clearly worth it. And again, that, that's the most technical mistake on this list of mistakes that we make. But I, I won't put you through anything else like that, Patrice. But here's the thing. If you have company stock in a 401k, just make sure you do it right when you're transferring it out. That's all. Get to a financial advisor. Yep. Yep. All right. I see uh, required minimum distribution planning here, RMDs. Yes. So RMDs, if we've heard of that, it's, it, Patrice said it, it's required minimum distribution. And this is recently changed and now the age is 72. But at age 72, the IRS basically forces us to take money out of our pre-tax retirement accounts. And the mistake for not taking that money is 50%. 50%? So 50%, yep, of what you were supposed to take. So if, for example, you are 74 years old and you have a $500,000 IRA, you are supposed to take around $21,000. And again, what if you do not? You'll have to pay a penalty or you'll get a bill, basically, and you have to write a check to the IRS for $10,500. Why? So, um, honestly, the IRS wants their tax dollars. They know that your life expectancy is so long. They want you to start paying taxes because remember on your pre-tax money, you've never paid That's true. taxes on it. So the older we get, the more we have to take actually as well. So but every year if, it gets to be a little more. What if it's a Roth account? There are no RMDs on a Roth. All right. Only on an inherited Roth, but there are still no taxes. So like, that's for a different day. But <laughs> <laughs> the, the, and by the way, that is actually, I'll throw in a mistake number two and a half here. People not taking RMDs on inherited money. We see this all the time. We just had somebody come in that had inherited money in 2012. This is real and very off the cuff right now, but they came in, they had an IRA from 2012 that they inherited from their mother and they never took any money out. You can't do that. So oh, they have to do all sorts of amendments and potentially pay penalties. And they, basically they need to cash out the entire account now, pay all their taxes. Mm -hmm. So RMDs are a big mistake. And one that I find very commonly is that people have, I'm making up a situation here, but it's very common. They have two IRAs and maybe it's at company, one's at company A and one's at company B. They have a 403B or a 401k. How do you, how does that person calculate what they're actually supposed to take? That's really hard to figure out if you have accounts all over the place. Yeah. So you better get it right or it's a 50% penalty, right? So if you have more than one firm that handles your, your stuff, they need to coordinate with each other. So this is why many times when we're working with a client, we'll say, listen, we either need to work with everything or nothing and that's okay. But 
this is a serious mistake that somebody can make. And one quick note, if you have two IRAs and then you have a 401k, Mm-hmm. You can aggregate and not, not to get into this too much. You can aggregate the IRAs. So you could take all of the required minimum distribution from one of the two IRAs because it's the same name, mm-hmm. right? IRAs and IRA, but that does not count for the 401k. So you still have to take some money out of the 401k because literally the name 401k is different than IRA. Oh, for heaven's sakes. Yeah. People screw this up all the time and that's okay. It's completely normal, but it's a huge penalty if you don't do it right. And it, Several years down the road, and it can go uncaught, by the way. We've seen them for many years. The IRS did not, quote, catch it. Right. But when they do or if they do or if you meet with an advisor and they figure this out or an accountant, it's you're going to get crushed in taxes that year. So that's, that's a big mistake, definitely. If you inherited one of those, as you were just talking about before, and you didn't do anything as that one client did, but you just forgot about it mm-hmm. and then perhaps it became part of your state and went to somebody else we're talking huge penalties here there could be there's also forms you fill out with the irs and i've say <laughs> i'm sorry i'm so sorry yeah yeah fortunately or unfortunately there are forms with the irs and also i've i've experienced this where people have inherited money and then i meet with them years later and they didn't do anything there are ways to try to get that penalty forgiven and actually okay. most of the time they're surprisingly friendly about it. <laughs> hmm. I mean, do you end up paying a percentage at least, I would think? Yeah. Or like I said, you end up taking, I'm making up a number, $100,000 all at once. And then that goes on your taxes for the year. So it's just not good. The, <laughs> the easier way to do it is just to plan proactively and get ahead of it and work with advisors that know what they're doing as far as RMDs go. All right. Medicare bracket. And that's not basketball. That's right. <laughs> the Medicare bracket. Okay. <laughs> We're in March. I get it. So um, the, the Medicare bracket is, and what I mean by Medicare bracket, as far as a mistake, is there are certain thresholds or brackets. Just think of a tax bracket. And it's the same thing for Medicare. And we want to be very careful about staying within our Medicare limits. And people would ask why. And if you go over the Medicare limit by $1, could cost thousands of dollars in extra premium and there's nothing you can do about it. So for example, these are, by the way, these are all real life examples that I have experienced myself and Mm -hmm. as part of our team and, or other advisors on our team. But in 2021, if you're married and you make $175,999, bear with me for a second or less, you would pay a Medicare premium part B of $148 and 50 cents. If you made $2 more, so you're at $176,001, your premium would go up to $207.90 per month per person. For $2. If you made $2 more in income. Yeah. So there, there are different strategies to track that. And you know what I typically hear, Patrice, is that won't affect me. I don't make that much. I hear that all the time. Well, I'm Whatever. If I make that much, I won't care. But <laughs> what I would say back is, are, are you sure? And are you completely sure? Because if you took a large distribution from a retirement account, I've seen somebody sell a vacation home and they went over the limit because of that, or they had some sort of just tax anomaly that year, it could easily affect you. And you didn't expect it because you'd say, oh, my income is no 110,000. Yeah. But what if you took 50,000 or 60,000 out of your retirement account and you sold a vacation home? Now you're over. And the Medicare premium, by the way, that's just the common bracket. 
it can go up to $504.90 per month. A month? Per month, per person. So it's a huge disparity between. Yep. It, now, is this based, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is if you sold the house, the vacation house, and your income went up for the one year, what about the next year? Do you come back down? Or once you're up at that level, you're at that level? No, they'll recalculate. Oh, yeah. Could. But you still have to pay it. Yep. Yeah, but it's it's still thousands of dollars. I mean, just two yeah. people paying an extra hundred dollars a month is that's money. We're in the thousands. Yep, yep. So the number four mistake. This is where I could go on for two hours, and the, these next few really get me going because I've seen this so many times, and it's nobody's fault, but it's just not explained properly or disclosed. And if you really want to get me fired up, we can start talking about surrender charges. <laughs> well, then let's and, talk about surrender charges. Yeah. It, what do I mean by surrender charge? Again, people don't know what that, most people don't know what that means, but everyone should pay very close attention to this. And when you invest in an account, there may be what are called CDSC, contingent deferred sales charge, or we call them surrender charges. I've talked about this before, Patrice, you know, the big book you get every mm -hmm. year on the prospectus and no one reads it. That's all disclosed in there. We have met with hundreds of people throughout the years that have no idea that it may cost them, for example, 6% to move their money from one account to another or just take it out. They have no idea. And we don't find out until it's too late. So the other thing with this, many of these charges can last for six years, 12 years. I've seen 20-year surrender charges. So these are typical in 403B accounts, life insurance, cash value accounts, and I'll just ask this, and I usually say this to people, before you sign up for an account or put your money into an account that maybe you can't change for 12 years, right. how much can change in 12 years? Think of 12, 2008 versus today or 2009. How, how much has changed in that? So typically you want full flexibility with your accounts. And that is why we find these because somebody tries to move an account and they can't because there's some crazy fee on it. So I would be very, very careful and absolutely certain when you invest in an account that you ask your advisor if there is a surrender charge or if there's a cost to move it. And I'll say this, but in some cases, it does actually make sense to have a surrender charge. There are, I have several clients that are in certain types of accounts that have those charges, but I can tell you they're very, very aware of it. And we know the problem is when it comes as a surprise to people and they don't know, and then they try to do something. And I'll come together with this. My real life example this is very recently, we met with a gentleman and his wife who had over $500,000 each invested in new accounts that they invested in or purchased, I'll say. So they had a million bucks. They invested into each of these accounts because that's what the advisor told them to do. And honestly, they actually, that advisor is not even an advisor anymore. They're doing something else. And that's why they were meeting with us. But when we tried to transfer the account to us or do something else with it, these are real numbers. We found out that there was a 6% charge. 6% on a million dollars is $60,000 to move it over to us. That's a huge charge that they were completely unaware of. So we did, I'll tell you what we do is we don't transfer those most times unless it's really horrible for somebody. And now we'll just wait for that charge to go away over the next six years. And then we will most likely do something else with it that makes more sense for them. Now, you keep saying account. What type of accounts do you find surrender charges on? It could be 
several types of accounts, but like, like I said, the life insurance annuities, there could be not that these exist too much anymore, but like they're B share mutual funds, which you can't mm -hmm. even use anymore, but we still find some money into those. So again, I would just make sure that there is no charge on any account you're investing in. Okay. That's a big deal. And again, if, you, if there's an emergency or you need your money and then you, then you find out you can't get it, that's a big deal. Right. You can't get it. You can't move it. It's stuck. Yep. Yep. Or you just pay a, a large charge to do that. Oh, but that's when you're talking to say $60,000, yeah. a lot of money. That's real. And I wasn't going to say this, but I'll tell you what, like they do that because that's how much the advisors make for putting you in that account. So that's actually a great example, oh. Patrice. Oh. <laughs> Again, I wasn't going to get into this, but if I, if I had a 6% commission on a million dollar annuity, I make 60,000. The company hedges their bet by saying, well, if they if the client moves it out early, mm -hmm. we'll just recover the sixty thousand from the client. And this is a perfect example. That advisor is no longer in the business anymore. The company gets to keep their sixty. The only person that's hurt by that is the client. The advisor that's no longer in the business got to keep their money. The company got to keep their money, and the client is now out sixty thousand bucks. Hence the title of this episode: "Scare the crap." Yeah, out. yeah, it's bad. That, that's bad. The next one's a good one too. Okay, guarantees. <laughs> yeah, so guarantee. I'm going to send this to my neighbor because this is a real conversation. <laughs> so guarantees, he'll love this, are not cash value. I Guarantees are not cash value. That's a lot of jargon in itself. And I'll explain what that means. But this is another one that really gets me going. And part of the reason is I'm not sure that most advisors totally understand this until they've been on the other side of it when the client tries to take money out. Mm -hmm. We've been around long enough where we know this and any of our advisors know this, but I've talked to so many people who've invested, we'll call it their 401k or 403b into a certain type of IRA. And again, it's an annuity, which is fine when it makes sense. Again, I have clients in annuities when it's appropriate. But the mistake that people make is that they actually think they're getting a certain guarantee. And this will come together, I promise. And it's very important because if I were to meet with a client, I say, I'm going to guarantee you a 7% return in your investment. That sounds amazing. Yeah. I, I would sign up for that. <laughs> no <laughs> doubt about it. Or 6%, 7%, anything above 0.1% that we're getting at the bank sounds great right now. So when somebody comes in and says, I can guarantee you 6%, that sounds, again, great. But that is definitely not the way it works. And it gets very complicated. But the 6%, I'll use 6%, is just, and this, again, this will come together, is an income number. And what do I mean by that? Here's a real life example. And I'm making up this name. I'll say Gary invested a million dollars into XYZ's company or the annuity where he thought he was getting 6%. So after year one, he'd have a million dollars plus the 6%, which is 1 million and 60,000, right? Year two, he thought he would have somewhere around 1,125,000 and it keeps going. Mm -hmm. So over the course of eight years, if you do the math on that, Gary thinks he has $1.6 million guaranteed. So he's very, Gary is very happy with that as yes. I would be. Here's the problem. And again, you don't find this out until too late. The next year, over eight years, Gary thinks he has $1.6 million. And again, Gary's very happy. But the next year, Gary wants to take some of his 1.6 million. Mm -hmm. The problem with that is that is not actually his money. 
And if you want to talk about a client that gets extremely fired up or excited or angry, they don't find this out until it's typically too late. That number is only a quote income benefit. So I'll explain further. Gary's cash value or the number that he could actually take and walk away with. This is so common, by the way. People think that they see two numbers on a statement. There's a really high number normally, mm -hmm. the 1.6 million. And then there's some number of if you walk away or I just want my money back like a normal investment. Right, right. So this, these are real numbers. This is not from him, but um, it, he has 1.6 million of an income benefit. And if he took it and walked away, he would only get 950,000. Huge difference, huge disparity. So now he's stuck. And this happened, I'm telling you, it happens all the time. He can take 4% of the 1.6 million or he can walk away with 950,000. Most people think that $1.6 million is theirs. It is not. Whose is it then? Well, it's, it's a literally, we'll call it a phantom number or a fake number to draw income off of. It's just a number that grows. So then we get a percentage of that. Oh. Really, it's the insurance companies. So Again, the, the this gets me because the average person out there just says, and they get excited about it. Dave, I just got into an account that pays me 6% guaranteed. Hmm. And I have a really, really hard time not shaking my head. And it's never the client's fault. Never, ever. It's I'm telling you, it's the way it's positioned in our business. I've seen it a million times. It was not explained clearly. And until you get to the end of it, when you start to take it out, that's when people are forced to understand it. So and the last thing I'll say in this, I do have clients with these types of accounts. I do. I have several of them, but they know it. And, and again, in some cases it makes sense because people do want guaranteed income. Right. It's just, I've seen too many people tie up too much money in these types of accounts and they haven't got to the other side yet where they're starting to take it. And I have had, a, <laughs> I've had somebody tell me after they've read the prospectus quote, it takes a Philadelphia attorney to understand this thing. <laughs> like, I'm not sure what that means, but I, it makes it sound complicated to me. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. Okay. Moving on then. Um, pension option person passes. Yeah. Yeah. So what that means, we've talked about this before, Patrice, we did an episode on pensions and I'll try to cover this one quickly, but again, this is another one that gets me because I've seen it play out a number of times with people that we're close to. And it's what it is. Again, it's just people not choosing the right pension option. They choose the wrong option. Yeah. They choose the wrong survivor option, the wrong full pension. They don't look into the lump sum option. And I've seen this at, at least 10 times in my career where we'll call them the pension earner. So the person getting the pension took the full pension without planning. Right. And within three years, they passed away. And I, I've seen this happen a number of times. So what does the spouse who's still alive lose when that happens? This is not the way that people think about it. But since this is the quote, scare the crap out of you episode, here we go. <laughs> if, if the spouse that's getting the full pension passes away, we lose a full pension benefit. And I'll give you some numbers in a second. Sometimes it's near 90 or $100,000 and something else that we don't plan for. The second social security benefit. Right. Those are big numbers. So the surviving spouse just lost a huge amount of income. And this is the worst thing you can see as an advisor because you just, the person just lost their spouse and now they've lost a tremendous amount of income mm -hmm. or just lack of planning. And not just income now, but income in the future. Forever. This, yeah. this is a mistake that by itself costs millions of dollars because if you lose $85,000 a year, 
for 30 years, that's a lot of money. So and I'll give you a real life example. It, I, I don't like going over this stuff, but it, it's, it's real. And it's a client we began to work with in 2018. And all of my pretend clients are named Sue and Dave, by the way, Patrice. So you had we'll Gary call, we'll, there. Wait a minute. You had Gary. Gary. Yeah. Gary, Gary's a real one. Oh, oh. <laughs> He'll know who he is. But the, uh, <laughs> I did Sue, Dave and Gary. There we go. So we have Sue and Dave in this case. And Dave took his full pension. These are real numbers of $85,000 in 2017. He had a $50,000 life insurance policy and he had some retirement assets of about 300,000, which is great. So he, this is so common and people know this when they hear it. She'll be all set if I pass away. She'll get my retirement account and $50,000. Well, if you calculate Dave's, Dave's pension is worth like a million and a half dollars. And that to get 85,000, somebody would have to invest somewhere around a million and a half dollars to guarantee that. So as you can imagine, I, we're literally in the process of meeting with Sue and Dave and planning and trying to set them up properly mm -hmm. to ensure his pension. And he passed away. Wow. Bad so, timing. It was horrible. And she lost $85,000 per year immediately and one of their social security benefits. Mm -hmm. I won't get into this now, but she gets whichever one is higher. Right. So the longer she lives, you mentioned this, the bigger the mistake becomes actually, because she's literally out of over a hundred thousand dollars per year, every year for as long as she lives. So I, go ahead. I was just going to say, so again, she lives 30 years. That's at least $3 million. I went back to take a quick look. I think it's episode 11 where we do the uh, the pension run through. It was an excellent, excellent episode, people. You've got to listen to it. Thanks, Patrice. Um, so <laughs> and listen, the mistake on this, the pension, how do we take care of that? And I'll try to move along with this. You have to plan in advance. And we talk about that in episode 11. And you, we need to make sure that we take the proper option or, and it could be an and, I guess, and or we you get the proper life insurance mm -hmm. in place just to make sure that your loved ones are taken care of. So again, I've seen that too many times. Well, this rolls almost into the next one too. Minor children as beneficiaries. I said this one's played out too many times. Here's another one. We've had several clients request that they put their children on as beneficiaries. And many of the time, many times those are minor children. And most of the time it's because they are single parents, divorced, uh, the spouse has passed away and now they have, they want to leave the money to their kids. Don't do that. <laughs> That's the easiest way I can say it. Do not put your minor children on as beneficiaries of retirement accounts or anything else without talking to an advisor, an accountant, really an attorney. But in most cases, when this happens, I will recommend estate planning attorneys right. to help set this up. But I'm saying this nicely, but your, if your 18-year-old receives a check for $500,000, they have no idea how to handle that. I, I know I wouldn't have, so I can say that nice. <laughs> I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> how do they pay the taxes on it? How, hmm. how much can they spend without running out of money? And we literally will call those Corvette funds because I guess maybe yeah, that shows that I'm old. That was a cool car back in 2004. I guess everybody was buying Corvettes. Don't date yourself, okay? Corvettes are still good. <laughs> I'm only 40, but yeah, Corvettes are cool. But 18, I've seen this so many times, 18 year olds go buy new cars with their inheritance money that is now handed to them. It, it's true. And it's a terrible investment as we know, but at least they have a cool car for a couple of years, but <laughs> the, the proper way to do it is to set up a will and trust and set the rules for that. 
So then we name the trust as the beneficiary. And again, we've talked about this before, but I still see this. So you then set the rules where your child would get it a third when they're 30, a third when they're 35, a third when they're 40, whatever it is, whatever rules you want to set, but at least they don't get large chunks of money that when they turn 18 and they have to pay taxes on it. So we have a real life example of this, a local client with a 403B account, a newer advisor added the children on as beneficiaries. And then the person with the 403B passed away, like not long after bad move. Those children are now dealing with pre-tax money and they're, they're kids from a 403B and they need to take RMDs from that. By the way, going back to RMDs, they have to take it. And remember what if they don't, the penalties right. we already talked about, who's helping them do that? And I can tell you, it's probably not the new advisor that added them as the beneficiaries because I'm not sure they know what to do or they're not around anymore. So just please be careful when you're putting on children as beneficiaries, if you're going to do it at all. And people really do not think about how important it is to have the beneficiaries correct on, on all of their, all of their accounts. All their, yeah, exactly. Make yep. sure that you've got it across all your accounts. Yep. All right. We're going to wrap it up with short-term gains. Yeah. I, I love this one right now. It's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> short-term gains. And again, more, more industry jargon, but this is my last one today. I, and remember, I have over a hundred of these, so I could keep going, Patrice. So we'll be back. We'll be back. Don't yeah, worry. I'll Don't say, worry. I, I want to say this to people. Do you understand what a short-term gain is and what is the tax rate for short-term gains? If you cannot answer those questions, please be really careful. And why do I bring this up? Because of GameStop. And uh, oh, yes. I know. Oh, yes. Freaking, oh. freaking GameStop. <laughs> so th- this is real. This is, so mm-hmm. I was recently talking with a younger gentleman, mid-20s. It's so stereotypical. I'll say it politely. He was bragging about his timing in the market with GameStop. No. And he made some money. And he bought and, and he- sold some GameStop. So he made money. Good, good for him. Mm-hmm. But hold on. I'm not done yet. Because by the way this plays out is... Again, it's very stereotypical. If you're unfamiliar with GameStop, by the way, it's a stock that went way up in value very quickly based on basically people on social, social media, media. Yep. yeah, po- pooling their money and forcing the price of a stock to go up. So, and it worked. So don't worry about that though. W- worry about this. <laughs> this guy made $12,000 in a few days, which sounds great. And then he sold his stock. And by the way, there are people that made hundreds of thousands or yes. millions in a few days yes. and sold their stock. So and he was telling he was telling me this, and my response to him was, "That's awesome! Congrats! Uh, I, what are you going to do for taxes?" Yeah, and this is a real response. And I, <laughs> he said, "Well, I'm in a low low capital gains bracket because I don't make that much at work, and okay. I am not picking on his job in any way whatsoever. But I can tell you, it has nothing to do with finance, and mm-hmm. he's making between sixteen and twenty dollars an hour, which is great." but it has nothing to do with understanding call options and puts and how to manage your own money and GameStop. So Did he use the options. Oh yeah. I'll, I'll get to that in a second. So wow. it, well, <laughs> hold on. So I, <laughs> again, I, I said, okay, you don't make much of work. You're not in a high tax bracket. That's, that's also great, but this is not long-term gains. This is short-term gains, which is this number mistake, right? <laughs> this is like getting a paycheck. Your taxable income just went up by $12,000 probably putting you into the next tax bracket. And here's what you need to do. You either need to keep some of that money handy or hire a CPA immediately, which is 
these are not things people are thinking of when they're buying and selling stocks online. Especially not when the euphoria has hit and the stock is up 600% or 800%. Oh, it's beautiful. And by the way, it's a great feeling. It's a great feeling. I tell people to do that. Know. With, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's, it's because you have serious money, Patrice, right? We're not screwing around. We might as well go to Vegas. That's what I was going to mm -hmm. say. And one of our last podcasts was Peter Anderson. And he said, if you're willing to lose 100%, that's when you do this stuff. And guess what happened to this that's guy? <laughs> so he said that he... I don't need to do that because I actually already put it into another stock and lost it. So here's the problem. It goes even beyond what people are thinking. It's not like you put in, you made 12, you lost 12. And I said, you know, you can't write off the entire loss. So now you have a gain and you can only write off 3000 of the loss. So now you're going to owe a bunch of taxes on money you don't even have. So he was confused. Now he's scared. <laughs> My point is, if you don't know the rules, just be careful when you're trading like this, if you are at all. And again, most people, Patrice, 99% of people are not interested in doing this. But the 1% that are, when they start talking about it all the time and you start seeing it on the news, that's when it's, I'm telling you, that's when it's, it's dangerous. It's too late. It's too late and don't do it. So and what, that's what I really wanted to ask him was, do you understand what a call option is? Just explain the call option. Not many people can do that. That's fine. Do, do you know what a put is? Do you know how to use those options to make money or hedge your account. Right. I, I can guarantee you he did not know that and that's okay. I didn't ask him that. I wanted to, but. Um, <laughs> oh, the poor guy. I mean, that, that's a big deal. He's going to owe, I'll try to, I'm guessing at some real numbers right now, short term on that 25. He's going to owe three or 4,000 extra dollars in taxes for something that he actually made no money on. But he had fun. He was happy for a few hours. Absolutely. <laughs> then he ran into doom and gloom me, I guess. <laughs> well, he's going to run into it when it comes tax time too. Yeah. Well, he's got a warning. He's got, he's got fair warning. So uh, I hope he prepares for that. And I honestly, in all seriousness, I hope this helps other people. If you're in that situation, I, I hope this opens your eyes to that being a possibility. And again, there aren't many people that did that. And many people are totally tuned out of this stuff, but for the ones that are, it, it will resonate. So, there were enough people who did it with GameStop. I know. I know. GME. Good old yeah. GME. So I hope this wasn't too much. That that was, we did eight, right? Um, but again, much, much like it was episode eight, which was my favorite to do so far, by the way. That was when I was in the ski lodge and I wanted to ask that guy some questions. <laughs> this is just stuff that the average person does not know. People don't know what they don't know. They don't know where to begin. And the truth mm -hmm. is they... They shouldn't know, but that's why financial advisors have jobs. But then there are different levels of financial advisors. So one of the podcasts coming up, Patrice, that I'm going to do is I just saw a statistic. 63% of people think that all advisors are exactly the same. And I'm going to run through why they are not. I will be very interested in that one. Yeah. So that one's coming up, but, uh, I'll wrap it up there with the mistakes because that's a lot to handle and digest. And especially if somebody's in their car, just trying to listen to some financial stuff. And now, now, now we've scared the crap out of them. We've got people who had their game stock bought and sold and, and AM, AME. Um, yeah. yeah. It was it uh, the, the theater chain? AMC. AMC. That's it. Yeah. Same thing. Now they're probably thinking twice about it, but who knows? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> David Polsini of Six Point Financial with some financial decisions you may need to rethink. Subscribe to David's podcast, Dear Rochester, Retire Well, and get all the other episodes in this series, including the one on pensions. 
And to get alerts when a new one is available, all you have to do is subscribe. I'm Patrice Sakora, and let's talk again later. Thank you for listening to the Dear Rochester Retire Well podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Six Point Financial Partners. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Content here is for illustrative and educational purposes only. It is not legal, tax, or individualized financial advice, nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific trading strategy. Results will vary. Past performance is no indication of future results or success. Market conditions change continuously. This commentary reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analysis of Six Point Financial Partners. It does not necessarily represent those of RFG Advisory, Private Client Services, their clients, or their employees. This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by Six Point Financial Partners or RFG Advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Securities offered by registered representatives of private client services, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory, a registered investment advisor. Private client services, Six Point Financial Partners, and RFG Advisory are unaffiliated entities. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG Advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG Advisory unless a client agreement is in place.